Nothing is better than relaxing with that perfect glass of wine. When you're like me, though, and stuck in quarantine, you can't exactly go to the store and find the right taste. Introducing Wine.com, which features wines from a variety of regions with different tastes and price points to suit everyone. Follow the link in the show notes to see some premier selections under $20 and learn how you can become a member and receive free shipping for the year. Welcome back to our 10th episode of Yes, That Actually Happened. We are, of course, Erin and Jay. Hi. And we are excited to bring you more weird but true history. If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned to the end to find out how you can support the show. And don't forget to listen to Jay's other podcast, High School Author Wannabe. This episode is our special episode where we delve into mysteries and crime. We'll be traveling to Australia for our mysterious disappearance and then down south in the United States for our murder section. I'm so excited. Ready? I love a good mystery. I love a good murder. That sounds bad, but I love true crime. Continue. <laughs> Harold Holt was the Prime Minister of Australia. First, I'm going to go into a big chunk of background. Holt was born in August 5th, 1908, and grew up within the Sydney area. He had a younger brother named Clifford, who was two years younger than him. He was very smart, graduating second in his class at Wesley College in Melbourne. He was a very active student. He participated in several groups and played cricket and football. When he turned 16, his mother tragically passed, and he was unable to go to the funeral. Why? I don't know. I'm I'm not specific details. I think it's just because he was away at boarding school when it happened and wasn't able to get back. He had a football game. It's too important. He was graduated with a law degree in 1930 and decided to stay in Australia rather than going to live with his father in London. Why would you stay in Australia? Australia sounds like the worst place in the world. Warm. No. Water. Okay. Scary big spiders, kangaroos. Have you seen those things? They're terrifying. I'm gonna start making lists of all the animals that you're terrified of. Okay, they're they're like buff. They're muscular. They have you ever seen what the inside of the pouch looks like? It's a hole in their body. They're marsupial, of course they. Have. I didn't know that, and I hate it. I don't like it. I thought it was an actual like pocket. Well, I'm not suggesting we go to Australia, so let's just continue. I'm giving you content. By whining. But we like our Australian listeners. He began to climb the political ladder. In 1939, his mentor Menzies became the prime minister, employed him as the minister for supply and development, even though he didn't have much experience as others. He also, during this time and later, worked on the groundwork to dismantle the white Australia policy, which was designed in the early 1900s to keep people out without a European background by using a test that they couldn't pass. And that's to get into what? Australia live in Australia. They had this in the early 1900s. It's weird. But he got rid of the test, so. Okay, good, because that's weird. Pretty forward-thinking guy. In 1954, he was named Australia's best-dressed men. <laughs> Cute. Just figured I'd mention that. Wait, I want to see what his outfit like. They just look like typical suits, honestly, to me, but what I'm not. What is his name? Harold Holt. Harold. In December 1967, Harold Holt disappeared while at the Chavoy Beach, Victoria, at the age of 59. Nothing has ever been found, and it remains a mystery. So what happened to Holt? I guess I should point out that he didn't just go to the beach and disappear. He was swimming in the ocean when he disappeared. So here's the deal. Harold Holt was a very adventurous prime minister. He spent a lot of time in the ocean and did a lot of diving and spearfishing with his wife, Zara. So it's not like he was inexperienced in swimming and dealing with the ocean, its currents, all that stuff. 
He was very good at holding his breath underwater for long periods of time, and I guess he practiced it during debates when his opponent was speaking. Look at how happy he is. That little fish. I know. He liked fishing. He loved being in the ocean. (laughs) And again, forward-thinking, a really decent-sounding prime minister. Large bodies of water can be extremely unpredictable. And he had previously had some close calls, and even his doctor told him he needed to start weaning back on his hobbies in the ocean. He actually said to his press secretary, Tony Eggleton, Tony, what are the odds of a prime minister being drowned or taken by a shark? Which we now know obviously didn't turn out very well for him. <laughs> that sounds like he was murdered by that person. By Tony Eggleton? He disappeared while swimming. Yeah, that's what they want you to think. But the weird odds of him asking that question and him disappearing... Yeah, but he asked that because so many people were telling him to stop going in the ocean because he had previously almost drowned at one point because he lost his bearings underwater and got pulled up and was blue. I have my own suspicions. <laughs> but nothing was ever found. Not completely unusual. Even in the Great Lakes, you hear people getting lost or pulled out in riptides, currents, and search parties, not finding them for days or sometimes ever. Again, big body water. You're trying to search for one teeny tiny human. And I mean, what, this is like, we're talking about the ocean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. There was a massive search, though, because obviously he was such a public figure. Yeah. Prime Minister. His official cause of death is labeled drowning. He was pronounced dead two days after he went missing. The details of what happened will be a remain a mystery. I am going with prevailing theory of many, many people saying, hey, dude, stop swimming so much because it's a rigorous activity and you're getting a little too old for it. Him not listening to it, panicking, drowning, getting caught in a tide, something like that. I've got a theory, a Bruin. If you say the Kraken... You don't even want to hear my theory. What is your theory? Okay. (laughs) Well, then I can't say it. (laughs) It's the Kraken, isn't it? It's not the Kraken, but it's really close. The ocean is so big and scary, and we don't even know what's really in there. So he could have easily been taken by by mermaids, by a sea monster. Aliens could be thrown in the mix. I'm just saying, there's a, a wide range. Okay, I will, I will at least go with you on the sea monsters because he was swimming in the ocean. But why aliens? Like, that I don't know, I just want to throw it in another ring. I just feel bad for his family. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't take their concerns seriously, but he seemed like a pretty decent guy. I mean, like, again, the reforms I mean, of the white Australia thing. In fairness, he, I mean, how old was he at that point? He like 59-ish, oh, I think it was. that old. No, but I mean, for vigorous swimming, spearfishing yeah. and stuff well, in the ocean, I that does put a lot of energy. he was older, so maybe he was like, oh, well, I don't really care, like, if I go, if I go type thing, but that's not as old as I thought he was. No, but he might have still had the attitude, because obviously he didn't listen to his doctor saying, hey, you should probably back up from this a little mm, bit. He was like, mm, no. <laughs> Let's move on to the murder section of our episode. Yay. This is one of my favorite murder stories. Oh, okay, wait. What is it? Weird combination of events. This series of murders takes place in the southern part of the United States, Louisiana, to be exact. I'm talking about the ex-murder of Louisiana. Oh, I do know this story. All right, I know this. I know this. Awesome. I've got theories on it. Between 1918 and 1919, the main weapon was an axe, and it wasn't something the killer brought with him. It was always an axe or some object that he found at the crime scene. Yes. Which is weird. Listen, you know, it's heavy. 
Uh, you don't want to lug around the murder weapon with you. What if you get caught? I mean, I guess it's the 1900s, but I just... How many people just have axes sitting around their house? I don't even think we own an axe. <laughs> I mean, I think we have one... But I think it's up north because we have, like, a fireplace. I mean, like, were there, like, wood-burning stoves at this point? Probably. Okay, I'll give you that. I think it's a little less weird, but, I mean, I wonder how many houses, like, they went into and were like, oh, dang it, they don't have my signature weapon, I guess I gotta go. He also was very well known for cutting holes in doors rather than forcing doors or windows open, so like cutting panels out of doors. Mm -hmm. Many claim this was an ethnic crime because most of the victims had an Italian background. We'll get into more details of that in a second. Yeah. Weren't they like a bunch of like grocers? Yep. Yeah. He's like, I just hate vegetables so much. Be gone. That that's the sound of an axe. The first victims were Joseph Maggio and Catherine Maggio, a grocer and his wife. The attack happened May 23rd, 1918 in their home. Their throats were slashed from a razor and their heads bashed in. Which so he used the second weapon. He didn't even stick to the original. And I think that's the weird part is the first one is different because I don't think the other ones had any kind of razor affiliation with it. So the man Joseph died Minutes after being found by his brothers, who lived nearby and heard the weird noises. Mm-hmm. So he survived for however long it took from the initial attack till when he was found. Probably a good deal of pain. As the first murder, there were a lot of suspects, including the brothers, especially because the razor belonged to one of the brothers. Hmm. Which is what I find weird of the whole thing. I feel, okay, what if this one is just not connected? That's what I have always suspected. I wondered if any of these necessarily are all connected. The wife was dead almost instantly from the attack. The next attack occurred at a grocery store after hours. The man's name was Louis Bessemer, and with him was his mistress, Harriet Lowe. Mm -hmm. This was June 27th, so about a month after the first attack, both were hacked in the head by the temples and ears. They were found in the morning when the baker went to deliver the morning bread. Miraculously, they both survived. Hmm. Although the mistress, Lowe, gave some contrasting statements later about the attack, including that she was, and I'm just going to be clear, I'm quoting what she said, was she was attacked by a mulatto man. Suspects included the mob, a man named Louis, who had been employed at the store, and then the man who was attacked, Louis Bessemer himself, when the mistress at one point claimed he was, in fact, a spy. She's all over the place. There is no evidence on that. (laughs) Not even sure why or how she came up with that. He went to trial a few times, but the jury ended up quitting him because there's no evidence on this. Yeah. They're like, why are we here again? (laughs) She ended up dying only a few short months later after an unsuccessful surgery to fix her paralyzed face. The fifth victim was Anne Schneider on August 5th. She was only 28 and eight months pregnant and was sleeping when someone bashed her many times in the head. Her husband found her after work covered in blood. I do remember this one because she had the baby. Yes, she survived. So did the baby. What a bad bitch. (laughs) Happy little baby girl came two days after the incident. Very lucky for both of them. I mean, like, modern medicine wasn't a thing yet. (laughs) I mean, just the stress of having a baby alone, much less getting beaten in the head by an axe beforehand. I know. Strong lady right there. And honestly, the attack could have started it. I'm sure it did. I don't know what the word is called. Induced it. 
There you go. Because, like, great stress. Can- the next attack was only five days later. Joseph Romano, an older man who lived with his nieces. The woman heard a commotion, rushed in to find him bloody and a heavyset man in a dark suit and a slouch hat. Like some of the other attacks, an axe was found left at the scene, and there was a panel of the door removed. While Joseph survived the initial attack, he did die two days later. And this was the first time you really had someone not involved with the actual altercation who saw the suspect, even though they didn't really get a great look at it. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's dark. There's a lot of chaos. There's blood everywhere. I'm, I'm sure details would be hard to focus on. I just feel like if he was a big person, why does he go through a tiny little baby panel? I didn't really get that part either. The next three are a little grisly. Again, an Italian Charles, his wife Rosie, and their daughter Mary, the daughter was two, died from only one hit to the head. Both Charles and Rosie had skull fractures. Witnesses discovered them after hearing the screams. The problem and weirdness with this one is that the wife Rosie claimed it was two people. Frank and Eoriando, and they were convicted with almost no evidence. One was sentenced to death. They were only released after she later said she lied about who knew who they were. I don't really know why she did that. I know she obviously was really distraught over the death of her daughter. And I know she and her husband divorced over her claiming it was these two guys, even though the guy didn't think so. Not sure what happened there. Yeah. I feel like it's not like the mob, though, because I thought the mob was like more of a... I feel like the mob would be more successful also in this whole thing. I mean, so far we don't have that many deaths. We have like, what... Three, if you count ones who actually died at the scene. Yeah. Four. Four died at the scene. One was, like, from the surgery, so, like... Yeah. Doesn't really count. I don't know. I feel like the mob also... I don't know if it's, like, true or not. Like, the whole women and children thing that they don't count. Well, in this case, a lot of the women were getting them brought up at the tax, so... Yeah, so I feel like that's why it would not be the mob. And also, I feel like they wouldn't use... They would, like, use guns. Yeah, so this... way easier. (laughs) This attack happened several months after the last one on March 10th. Next one, Steve Boko, was attacked August 10th. So there's, like, this huge gap between them at some points in time. Oh, wait, I have a new theory. Hmm. What if it was another grocer who wanted to be the top dog and started killing off all the other grocers, but he's just a little grocer man, so he's not good at killing people? I mean, any theory at this point, I'm not going to rule out. That is my theory at this moment. He was another grocer. He woke up with the figure before being hit. Same thing. Axe in the background. Missing door panel. He survived as well. And this was the first attack after a letter that we will talk about in a second. Hmm. Next was Sarah Lominen. In September 3rd, who had a head wound and lost several teeth. She was only 19 years old, but managed to survive. This one is different as there was an open window rather than a piece of the door missing. Mm -hmm. And then the last attack, Mike, on October 27th. Mike was not as lucky as the others. His wife heard the attack, rushed in, and found him dead. Next part of this whole scenario, I was talking about a letter earlier. Now, this is the weird, funny part of this whole situation. Yeah. The axe man supposedly, and who knows if this is a copycat or someone else, sent a letter demanding it be published or he would kill more. All right, I'm going to read it. Hottest Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. This is how my books are written when I was 14. They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. 
I shall leave no clue except for my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains, of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover who I am, for it were better that they never born that to incur the wrath of the axemen. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all the harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a horrible murderer, which I am, but it could be much worse if I wanted to. <laughs> If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in a close relationship with the angel of death. Wow. Can't believe he's dating Satan. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 Earthly Time on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose house has a jazz band going. Well then, so much the better for your people. One thing is certain, and that is some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping thou publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. Signed, The Axeman. I am adding to my theory. I think this guy just thinks really highly of Our himself. Our grocer man, who wants to be the top dog, also has an unsuccessful jazz band. And he wants to make it big, and this is his big plot. This to is... be the best grocer and the best jazz band, and he got what he wanted. I... Also, he's dating Satan. He didn't say he was dating Satan, he just said he was very close to the angel of death. Yeah, so they're dating. <laughs> it's just friends. like I said. It is just so chock full of just me, 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 Nonsense. me, me. I'm just like great. You guys stink. You're never gonna catch me. I'm the devil. Actually, no. I'm best friends with the devil, and, and I love jazz music. And by the way, if you play jazz music, I probably won't kill you. Probably. He actually didn't commit any murders that night. I yeah. will say. And I'm sure everywhere in those up into jazz. Trying to sleep in the middle of the night with just jazz music jamming out. So it's like, I don't even care if I get murdered. I have to work at 5 a.m. You know what? Where's an axe? I'm going to do this myself. I mean, I don't know. If I heard there were snacks man roaming around, picking up people's axes and chiseling their way through the door, I probably would hide my axe. Or yeah, I would like, just get rid of the axe. Problem solved. Can't come here. No axe here. Put something in front of the door before you go to bed so that if someone, like chips away at it they'd still knock it over so there is um <laughs> a very small contingency theory of many people who think that this isn't actually a human but a spirit or a demon who committed these which i don't a believe demon at all would not okay if it was a demon but it's because of the small panel and the big guy and the fact again i don't believe that i'm just saying because i'm like, not saying demons are real i'm just saying a demon wouldn't do it does does not have the flair <laughs> Of, like, a demon. <laughs> just one, he just wants some jazz music. That's all he wanted. 
After 1919 and 12 victims, this guy just disappeared. There was nothing evidence-wise that led to any kind of conviction. He went back to hell. This like he said. <laughs> serial killer will remain unknown. That the weird circumstances surrounding some of the murders and the letter just makes the whole thing more interesting. People even claimed whether real or hysterical to have found axes in their backyard around that time. Like, you know, like... Yeah. Thing or just hysterics or you yeah. have someone actually left the axe out. Speculation on whether this was one guy, multiple people. There was one instance where the wife of the last murder victim actually thought she recognized the guy that killed her husband and killed him. They don't know if he was actually the axe man or not, but I don't think there was enough evidence to corroborate any of that. Hmm. So if you have further questions or would like some source material to do on research, again, drop by our website. If you'd like to support us and get access to fun show notes, doodles, bloopers, find us on Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon. Any sponsorship offers or episode ideas, please email us. Again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode, which comes out next week, and I'm not going to spoil the fun on what this one's about. What? I don't even get a hint. Do nope. I get a hint? No. Dang it. Rude. Yeah, it's stuff that happens in history. Oh, wow. Thank you. I will just look back at all of history. <laughs> Make sure you guys give Jay's high school author wannabe a listen. Yes, please. If you actually want to check out an actual true po- crime podcast, I do recommend Malice After Midnight. They're an indie podcast that just started, mm. but they have some solid episodes, including The Thanksgiving Butcher, which is weird and fits right into the genre that we're talking about right now. But I don't want to spoil it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.